Tactical sports take. Inbound. Who the fuck is that guy? Beat him off. Stomp on his head as he's unconscious. Five-tool commentator. <laughs> he's the Willie Mays of sports <laughs> broadcasting. DiMaggio. It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Owen Ely Show. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome into the show, everyone. we got a great one for you today here on this Tuesday, November 16th, as we look to recap UFC Fight Night Holloway versus Rodriguez, which took place on Saturday, November 13th at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, as always, great to be back with you guys. Uh, one hell of uh, a stretch we're on here for uh, UFC events coming off of uh, you know a banger of a, of a fight night card, uh, two consecutive pay-per-views. Uh, in, in back-to-back weekends, I mean, it's just there's never been a better time to be a fan of mixed martial arts, and we are uh, we're here to celebrate that. But uh, you know, there's always uh, you know I hate to be the bearer of uh, bad news, but there's always a regression to the mean. So uh, I think we're gonna hit that. I think we're you know it, it's like when you get drunk for a couple of days in a row. Like you'll uh, like I remember in college, like you'll you'll drink a lot on like a Friday. And uh, you'll, you'll wake up like Saturday morning. You're probably going to party Saturday night as well. And you're a little bit hungover. But what you do, what, what's a pro gamer move, is when you wake up on Saturday morning to avoid the, uh, the hangover, you just keep drinking. And not even a lot, just a little. Just have a beer in the morning just to stop the headache. But, you know, ultimately, you know, when you tax the body, you know, when you take and you take and you take... Uh, you know, you're going to get yours eventually. I mean, the hangover is coming. You can't avoid it. And, you know, we've been very spoiled here uh, watching the UFC again with the two pay-per-views and this awesome fight night card. And, you know, I think we're going we're gonna to get our comeuppance uh, this Saturday because uh, uh, it's headlined by uh, Ketlin Vieira and Misha Tate. I couldn't think of two fighters I want to see less in a main event. Uh, and, uh, you know, to be honest, it probably should be UFC Fight Night, Kiesa versus Brady, but, uh, you know, I don't think we're going to be uh, that lucky. But it looks like a terrible card, but obviously, uh, you know, we'll preview that when the time is right. But for now, uh, we'll, we'll get right into uh, Holloway versus Rodriguez uh, after a little bit of housekeeping. I did update uh, the website with uh, updated rankings for the last four weeks because I've been neglecting it, so... Uh, we do have drastically different uh, rankings. Obviously, I updated them for, for every week, so you can go back and, and you know kind of look at the backlog. But also, I did a not even a random shuffle, because I'll say that in the UFC sometimes, but I just went through and I did inventory on some of the people who were ranked. So I, I kind of want to get to the rankings right away, because the fight card on Saturday didn't really have a whole lot of... Uh, difference on the rankings to be honest and and we've had a lot of movement over the over the two pay-per-views and uh so i just kind of wanted to get to uh to some of that uh like we took chris weidman out of the middleweight rankings we had him at nine which i never felt good about but 
Um, we moved him to unranked. I mean, he's probably never going to fight again. And, and and that's the thing too. Like I'll get I'll get stuck with these rankings sometimes because I'm very I'm very literal with my rankings. Like I don't context is important, but I have like set guidelines. So like you could be an unranked fighter. You could be a fucking nobody. But if you fight in the middleweight division and you beat Jack Hermanson, who's number six, then you're number six. You're not number seven. You're not number eight. If you beat the person, you are the person. So that's why I kind of got fucked with having Chris Weidman at number nine, which obviously sounds crazy, but he beat Omari Akhmedov, who at the time we had at number nine. So it's like, well, how can I not say he's a number nine guy? So I wouldn't say that's necessarily a flaw with my rankings. It's, you know, we're just adhering to, uh, you know, not even a hard and fast rule set, but just, you know, general pattern. So he's out of there. We got uh, uh, and Imovov in at the rankings at number 13. Obviously, you can check out all these rankings at northstarsports.media. It's not exactly going to do it justice, me explaining it, but I just forgot I'd go through some of the bigger ones, some random reshuffles. I mean, we moved Darren Till up a couple of spots, Gastelum up a couple of spots, which I don't feel great about because, you know, they lose a lot of fights, but, uh, you know, middleweight's kind of uh, thin. Um we took Kevin Lee out at lightweight. The UFC, the UFC had done that for quite some time, but uh, he, he seems to be committed to welterweight. He hasn't had a win uh, in the lightweight division in 26 months. So we moved him out. A uh, bunch of people moved up. We put Fazeev in the rankings at uh, 15. Uh, we had a, a, a lot of uh, movement in the featherweight division. Everybody moves up a spot because we took Zabit uh, Magomed Sharapov out of the rankings. I don't think he's had a win in fucking, I think, 26 months as well. I think the last time he fought was Calvin Cater uh, on that on that fight card in, in Moscow. So, you know, if you're inactive, like I, I really try not to overreact like how the, the UFC or whoever does the bidding for the UFC because the UFC doesn't control their rankings technically uh because it's media rankings but whatever fucking idiots took leon edwards out of the rankings because he turned down a fight or couldn't fight or whatever even though he had fought uh like within that calendar year that's fucking stupid but there you know there comes a time where even i say you're inactive so is a beats out uh Ilya tapuria comes in at 15 and then everybody else moves up a spot um, even works out good for Yair because he lost, obviously, in the main event. Spoiler alert, but we moved him up a spot. So he, he's now at number four instead of number five because of the uh, droppage of uh, Zabit. Uh, we shuffled around bantamweight a little bit. I, I don't give a shit about flyweight, so I haven't changed those rankings in quite some time. I don't fucking care if Amir Albazi should be ahead of Bruno Silva or whatever. I mean, there's like 17 flyweight fighters in the UFC so you know I don't really give a shit about uh, that or the or a lot of the women's rankings because they're just too hard they're too hard like flyweight tell me how you would rank it at flyweight I like I spent like probably uh, 10 minutes which doesn't sound like a whole lot of time but I probably spent like 10 minutes thinking about how I should rank the flyweight division and it's like every single ranking that I came up with was just incorrect. I wasn't happy with it. So I hate that because you have so many fighters who are just rejects from 135, rejects from 115. 
they come in, they beat somebody, they lose to somebody else. There's no clear number one contender. It's like number th- so like I'm very certain Jessica Andrade is the number one contender. Now that doesn't necessarily mean or she's ranked number one. I guess number one contender would imply that she's getting a title shot, but pretty confident with her at one. Pretty confident with Chukagian, Murphy, and even Maya at four. But but five through fifteen. Dude, I don't know. Calderwood, Lee, Eruzhao, Santos, Calvillo, I, Grasso, Mataferi, Barber, Maverick, and O'Neill. Any of those could go basically in any order. Basically any order. Like, could could somebody explain to me how Joanne Calderwood is above or below Cynthia Calvillo or Jessica I? It's just such a disgusting division when it comes to, like, nobody can go on a winning streak. Everybody's, it's always one up, one down. It's just so random. It makes no sense. So that's uh, just an absolute disaster. Uh, and then we did shuffle around pound for pound a little bit. So we have Kamaru Usman now, uh, obviously because of his win over Colby Covington at number one pound for pound. John Jones at number two. Uh, let's see. Obviously Glover's uh, in, in the pound for pound rankings because he's champ now. Uh, we moved down Jan Blahovic a handful of spots. And that's pretty pretty much it uh, on that one. Bumped up Poirier a little bit. Bumped up Adesanya because uh, Jan fell. So some reshuffling there. Obviously, you know, pound for pound doesn't really fucking mean anything. I mean, it's just, you know, I don't know. I, I don't really, I don't know why we do pound for pound, but, it, you know, it is what it is. All right. I think that's just about all the housekeeping we had. Uh, so we can get right into the main event here. Obviously, Max Holloway winning uh, a unanimous decision over Yair Rodriguez. Uh, just a weirdly competitive but dominant performance for Max Holloway. I mean, I'm I don't I'm kind of conflicted on how I feel. I mean, obviously, that was a I think that was an A plus performance from Yair Rodriguez. I never really thought much of him. I thought he was a flashy striker. I always thought Yair Rodriguez was kind of a fucking dickhead, to be honest with you. But maybe he's not. Maybe I was just misreading uh, Yair Rodriguez. But, uh, you know, one hell of a performance, and his stock goes up even in a loss. But I, I really believe that was his A-plus performance. I don't think it it gets any better. Um, so, you know, for, for whatever you could say about him outstriking Mac, you can't take anything away from him, and, and I'm not trying to either. But, you know, for round round one and round two where he was just beating him to the punch, beating him to the kick, really chopping up the, the lead leg of, uh, of Max Holloway, uh, I think that's, that's as good as it gets. So, you know, while it's not a flawless victory for Max Holloway, I, 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 don't, like, I don't think that was just a kind of a good performance. I think that was literally the best performance Yair could deliver, and Max still gets the win. I had it for sure three to two max potentially potentially four to one max and so at like at the time i had it yair winning round one and round two i thought it was pretty clear that max won rounds three and four and more confident than not that 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 max had won round five it seems like a lot of people a lot more people in the media and, and just you know kind of gauging people on Twitter it seems like people were more willing to give Max round number two than I was although I'm not a it was a close round I'm not you know gonna die on the hill that I thought yeah year 100% won that round just you know as I was keeping tabs in my head 
you know, I thought it was a, a win for, for Yair, but maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't have the st- stats, but neither do the judges. But either way, uh, a, a win for Max Holloway. I, I like that he mixed in the wrestling, especially uh, against a guy like Yair, who's certainly not known for his uh, ground game. I mean, you know, you go back to probably his most famous performance outside of the win over the, the, the Korean Zombie was his loss to... Uh, uh, Frankie Edgar, where you just grapple fucked the shit out of him, and that's kind of how you got to beat Yair, unless you're unless you're the best boxer in the UFC like Max, and then you can kind of hold your own in, in the striking, and then start to get ahead. But you know, Max is a Max is a, a tricky puzzle, and we definitely saw this in the prime of his career uh, before he you know ran into the greatest feather, featherweight of all time, uh, Alexander Volkanovski. But he just gets better round for round. I mean, he, he really does. Like, unless you put him away, which really, you know, nobody's been able to, to do that to him in his prime. He just gets better round round over round. You saw it in the Ortega fight. That was just kind of dominance from beginning to to end. But it's just, yeah, he's pretty fucking hard to stop. Uh, he, he can definitely take a punch as well. And uh, it was a great performance. Don't have uh, too much more to say other than that. Um, for Yair... We'll, we'll go with the easy one. For, so for Yair, your stock goes up. Uh, you did lose. You still got a, a pretty record, 13-3. and three. Uh, Featherweight's kind of shallow at the top. There's not a whole lot of active contenders. So obviously, I think he's going to need some time off. But you're competing with Brian Ortega, who's kind of fucked because uh, he got dominated by Volkanovski. He's not getting a rematch anytime soon. He got destroyed by Max Holloway. So if Volkanovski's not the champ, then Holloway's going to be the champ. So Ortega's fucked. He's not even... A th- he should move to, move up to 155. He doesn't even factor in even the slightest bit in featherweight. The Korean zombie, I mean, he's not the most active fighter in the world. And, and you know, he's kind of flip-flopping wins and losses. Very dangerous fighter. Uh, Calvin Cater, I guess he's, he's coming back. Who is he fighting now? Uh, what is it, Giga Chikadze? Cater's got a fight coming up, but he... I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of bullish on Calvin Cater. Josh Emmett's coming off of that huge injury. You know, so a loss to Max Holloway is not the biggest deal in the world. I, st- I still think um, the most important thing is off of that performance, more people are going to want to watch Yair in his next fight. And oftentimes in the UFC, you got to win fights, but oftentimes it's not necessarily about who has the longest winning streak in the world. You know, just ask Leon Edwards. It's about who do you want to see fight. And, and that, that increased uh, that uh, appetite for Yair. And then for Max, uh, you know, I've seen some people saying, uh, you know, they want to see the trilogy with Volkanovski. I really don't. I honestly don't. If it's booked, I think it'll be exciting. It'll be fun. It'll, it'll be a great fight, no doubt. It will not be a dud. But I don't really have a whole lot of interest in that. I think Volkanovski is going to be a ch- the champ for a very long time. Max Holloway is still relatively young. Actually, fucking very young uh, at, at 29. So neither fighter is neither, neither fighters going anywhere anytime soon. So let's not rush a trilogy. Like I, I, I don't, I don't have a whole lot of appetite for that. I think Volkanovski wins again. So then, if Volkanovski wins three times, like what the fuck do we say? Just like, add a boy. Like I don't know. It's just let's have some time in between. Let's let's have Max go do some other stuff in the meantime. That 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 trilogy fight is always there. It's always there. You know, it's just when you lose two times. Booking a trilogy is pretty fucking hard to do. 
Um, it's kind of tough to figure out who the next title challenger at featherweight would be if it's not Max Holloway. But, you know, if, if Giga Chikadze goes out and has a nice performance, he'll be in the top five, very active, good striker, might present some issues for Volkanovski. Let's let's see that, but let's let let's let the featherweight division play out a little bit. For you know, as for Max Holloway, I I really want to see him at lightweight because I think there's a lot of interesting opportunities there. You know, he was mentioning that he has a win over Charles Oliveira. That is true. That was also about fucking six years ago in the wrong division, but you know, history is there. Now I, I'd be pretty surprised if Max Holloway got a title shot at lightweight without getting a win at lightweight because. I mean, Jesus, you'd have to jump ahead of Justin Gaethje and Michael Chandler and Islam Makhachev and guys like this, so I'd be pretty shocked. But, hey, let's see him fight Conor McGregor when he comes back. Let's see him fight Conor. Let's see him fight Poirier if if he loses. Let's see him... I don't know. Let's, Let's see him fight Tony Ferguson or something. Let's see, like... We don't have to pigeonhole him in, into the featherweight title shot because, again, if he loses, then he's kind of fucked. If he loses to Volkanovski in, let's say they fight in May, if he loses to Volkanovski, he has to move up to lightweight. Like, he's fucked. You have three losses to the champ. Like, it, it just kind of ruins everything. I mean, you, you if you're Max, you don't necessarily want to think like that, uh, you know, and, and be, be scared to fight somebody because what could happen in the future. But it's like... Nah, your stock is really high. Like, let's give him some money fights. He deserves a money fight. Let's have him go fight a legacy fight outside of the featherweight division. Or even in the featherweight division. I don't know. Maybe somebody wants to come up or somebody wants to go down or, you know, I I don't know. But it just, I don't really like the idea of him fighting for the, the featherweight strap. Um, yeah, I think that's that's about that. So, um, moving on to the co-main event, we had a very quick, potentially controversial finish uh, by Marcos Hagerio de Lima on Ben Rothwell. Big Ben Rothwell, the king of Kenosha. Not exactly the city you want to be attached to these days, uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm sure it's a, I'm sure Kenosha is a nice, a nice city. I really like small towns in Wisconsin, by the way. Obviously, I'm biased because I went to River Falls, but... Man, small, like, college towns. I don't even know if there's a college in Kenosha. Definitely not a Wisconsin system school there. But, man, like, 40,000 population towns in Wisconsin are fucking cool. Like, rural Wisconsin sucks balls. But, like, Eau Claire is awesome. Eau Claire is so nice. I should have went to Eau Claire. La Crosse is super beautiful. Uh, Menominee's not bad. Uh, obviously River Falls is what it's okay. It's kind of a little too small for my for for my liking. If it was like 30,000, 35,000 people in River Falls, then it'd be awesome. But uh, man, small town Wisconsin is awesome. But that's neither really here nor there. Um, I, I like the stoppage. I like the stoppage. Uh, I think Herb Dean kind of botched it by doing the chicken dance and uh, touching him and then letting the fight continue. I mean, listen, once you touch a fighter, the fight's over. I don't know if it's technically in the rule book, but I mean, Jesus, w- once you touch somebody and then, you know, you got Hajario uh, DeLima looking up at Herb, like, what are we, what are we doing? And then Herb's like, eh, okay, let's stop it. It's like, you have to be very definitive with, with stoppages because you can't like, imagine how fucked up that would, would be if the fight was allowed to continue. 
when when Delima looks up, looks at Herb Dean like, what the hell's going on? You touched me. And Herb's like, oh, just keep fighting, keep fighting. And, and in that split second where he's, you know, not focused on Ben Rothwell, say, you know, he, he gets kumbura or something, or Ben Rothwell continues fighting and survives, and then in the second round he knocks him out. I mean, it's, you know, if you if you touch somebody, I mean, you, you have to be so definitive with it. You can't pussyfoot around it. And um, th- there is a fine balance between being like Mario Yamasaki and letting somebody get their fucking head caved in and, you know, stopping the fight way too early. But it's like, I'm always... You know when a fight's done. You know when a fight's stopped. Like, they're... We we know of the times when fights should have been stopped and weren't because they're they're pretty rare, you know what I mean? Like Marab Davalish Wheely and uh, Marlon Marais, that fight should have been stopped, but obviously it wasn't, and it's one of the greatest comebacks of all time. And we look at it through this lens now, but it's like at the time, like in that second where you know he he the last two minutes he's just been getting fucking murdered, it's like. Yeah, that that probably should have gone the other way, but obviously that's the exception uh, to the rule. But I, I don't really have a problem with it. He was he was pretty wobbled. I don't think you have to have your fucking skull caved in for us to call you know to, for us to stop the fight. It, you know TKOs don't have to be fucking near death experiences. You know it is it is it should be a little more like a sport in that sense. You know, obviously it's not a sport, you know, it's combat and there are grave consequences, but exactly that there are grave consequences. I mean, you know what I mean? You you don't have to be like that guy from the walking dead who gets his fucking head caved in with a crowbar or a lead pipe or whatever. I mean, like we can stop it before then. Um, so, you know, it it is what it is, especially at, at heavyweight where, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, you know, a stoppage when you see it, sometimes it's kind of hard to explain what a good stoppage should be, should be. But you know, a lot of people say, obviously the, I think, I think the like exact wordage in the rule book is, you know, intelligently defending yourself. I don't know. You know, a stoppage when you see it, uh, moving on to the featured bout. We had a, uh, late finish in round three by Felicia Spencer on Leah Letson. Uh, very dominant performance from Spencer. I thought that was a great game plan. Pressure her. Obviously, she's rusty, hasn't fought in like two or three years. Never should have been in that fight. The the, the featherweight division is a sham. Should not exist. Should not exist. And this is this is what happens. Sometimes we see very bad, bad outcomes happen at 145 because there's nobody there to fight. You know, there's there's two good featherweights on the roster. One of them is a bantamweight called Amanda Nunes, and the other is Felicia Spencer. I think Felicia Spencer is a good fighter. I, I really do. Um, I also think she could make 135 if she if she wanted. Uh, I, I don't want to get into it, but you could look at her body and, and you could probably find, you know... Actually, that's going to sound way worse if I don't say what it is, but, you know... She's a little uh, plumper. I, I, I don't want to make it sound... Dirty. I wasn't going... Look at me trying to defend myself in my own shell. But I wasn't trying to make that weird. But point being, it's not like she's six foot two and couldn't make 135. She's very capable of making 135, you know, with a little bit of dieting. Good fighter. Good fighter. And for her to have fights, because she's not going to fight Amanda Nunes for every single fight, 
well, we have we have this fighter called Felicia Spencer under roster. We have to offer her. I think I think the UFC is contractually obligated to offer fighters three fights a year uh, if they're under contract. Well, who do we got? Uh, well, we got Megan Anderson, I guess. Uh, she's not available. Okay, let's just find some bum off the streets. Oh, there's this one chick who used to fight on the uh, the Ultimate Fighter that one season that fucking sucked. Oh yeah, let's get her. So it's like, and I'm not saying Leah Letson couldn't be a good fighter, but you're fine. You're taking somebody who's had a tremendous layoff, somebody who doesn't belong in the UFC, somebody who has way less experience, certainly at the higher levels. I mean, you're talking about an Invicta champion and a, and a uh, you know, a title challenger in the UFC. And it's like, yeah, it's kind of da- like, I, I think that's kind of lost on people. Like that's dangerous matchmaking. I'm not trying to make it seem like Felicia Spencer's fucking Shane Carwin, you know, in his prime, but it's like reckless matchmaking has the potential to be dangerous. And it's like, yeah, that chick just kind of got beat up for three rounds, you know what I mean? And finished at the end mercifully. So it's like, okay, like we don't have enough, let, let's call it what it is. We don't have enough fighters to field a fucking top, 10 there are not 10 female featherweights on the roster so why do we have a division let's just cut it i i would much rather see and i have very little appetite for this but i would much rather see the ufc get rid of the the featherweight division and have an atom weight division because i i bet you you could field a top 15 you know I, i i bet you you could find 25 atom weights you could put in the ufc you know if you go looking over in japan you know, in in One FC and Ryzen and fucking Invicta and Smack Girl and Deep Jewels and all these fucking obscure, you know, MMA organizations. Like I'm sure you could field an atom weight, a relatively competitive atom weight division. I, I still don't want to see that, but I'd rather see it than just Zara Fern Dos Santos fighting Felicia Spencer and getting knocked out in 20 seconds. I mean, it's just not. Not really, uh, not really for me. Uh, all right, moving on. We had a, another round three finish. Chaos Williams knocking out Miguel Baeza. Uh, very sloppy, sloppy performance there from uh, Chaos Williams. I was pretty high on Miguel Baeza. Still kind of am, although this makes two losses in a row. He's taken a lot of damage, certainly in that Ponzinibbio fight, and and uh, then then definitely in in this fight getting knocked out. Um. I thought Baeza fought a pretty smart game plan. It seemed like Chaos Williams was just looking for the knockout shot the entire fight, which is not exactly a great strategy. Obviously, he found it in the third round. But uh, very sloppy winging stuff. I mean, it's just, it, it felt really, really forced and not natural. I think he's a good fighter. Obviously, has great power. And, you know, now he's like 4-1 and one in the UFC. So I think he's somebody to, to look out for. Uh, you know, probably probably a win or two from being uh, uh, ranked at welterweight but I was not uh, I was not very impressed I think obviously it turned out well for chaos Williams but you know suppose he lost that fight by decision I'd be I'd be pretty down on uh, our good buddy chaos Williams but you know he's certainly a character a fun guy to watch and and gets another knockout there so uh, in the end uh, in the end of uh, 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 a fun ending to that fight unless you're Miguel, Miguel Baeza then uh, not not very fun uh, we had Song Yadong uh, on the main card opener knocking out Julio Arce 
Uh, I don't think I, I don't think I watched that one. I don't remember that one uh, very much. Uh, Song Yudong, an interesting uh, fella to watch out for. I, I do like that at bantamweight, the the UFC and their matchmakers seem to give fighters chances a lot, or, or, or different up and coming fighters. Everybody gets a chance. So this was Julio Arce's chance. Like, should Julio Arce be fighting Song Yudong? Maybe, maybe not. You know, some rankings have him in there, some don't. But, like, they'll just give Kyler Phillips a chance uh, against, uh, you know, Song Yudong, like a, a ranked guy. They'll they'll give Haulian Paiva a chance against Kyler Phillips. I guess the fucking cycle continues. But it's like, oh, the UFC, like, you know, for, for as stacked and, and you know, as, as treacherous as the the bantamweight division is i mean people get chances in this division nobody's really nobody's really held down in this division everybody gets a chance if you blow that one chance you might be fucked but everybody everybody gets an opportunity uh we had joel alvarez uh knocking out tiago moises in round number one super impressive performance i um am pretty cool on tiago moises uh, never really thought he was super uh, amazing, uh, you know. But uh, a guy whose striking has definitely improved in you know his last three or four fights. Uh, fights some tough guys, a lot younger than uh, I thought. So at 25, you know, certainly possible that uh, uh, or 26, excuse me, uh, certainly possible that he turns things around and uh, you know becomes more consistent. But. Uh, Joel Alvarez, I mean, just a guy who fucking, I don't know, just steamrolled him. Steamrolled him. Seemed like he couldn't miss with his 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 strikes and just kind of a weird forgotten guy of, of the lightweight division. Again, a very stacked division. Uh, and I almost put him in the rankings. He's at number 16 un- unofficially, uh, just right on the doorstep. Couldn't quite put him in the rankings, but he's... He, he's right there, you know, only has one loss to Demir Ismagulov, but, uh, you know, just, just kind of a weird guy, too, because he was on that season of The Ultimate Fighter with McGregor and Faber, and it's kind of weird how things work out this this way sometimes, where you, you'll have somebody on a season of The Ultimate Fighter who doesn't end up winning it or really doing anything, who turns out to be a pretty fucking good fighter. Like, you look at the fighters who, uh, you look at, like, the top three fighters, uh, at, uh, or excuse me, in that season of the Ultimate Fighter, like Ryan Hall has done pretty much nothing. I mean, I guess he beat he beat BJ Penn, but you know, super super old version. Uh, Saul Rogers is f- winning one and losing one in Bellator, and then Artem Lobov is the biggest joke in in all of MMA, um, outside of uh, Valerie Lareda. Uh, and then you just have some guy like Joel Alvarez. Like, I, I don't even remember him from that season of The Ultimate Fighter. Like, I don't even know what the fuck, what he did. But, uh, you know, definitely got to watch out for, probably at welterweight, though. Probably at welterweight, because I don't think, uh, I don't think he's going to get another shot at uh, at lightweight. I mean, he's, he's missed it twice. Uh, and, I, and I believe in his last two fights, even. So pretty hard to climb a division if you if you consistently miss uh that weight obviously 6'3 is still gonna be pretty fucking massive at uh, 170 so doesn't really have a whole lot to 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 worry about going up to 170 so let's just hope it doesn't turn out like it turned out for james vick 
let's see here. We had Andrea Lee with a significant win over Cynthia Calvillo. That was a corner stoppage at the end of round two. Very good striking. Again, it seemed like she couldn't miss uh, Calvillo, who some people thought was an ex-Ronda Rousey. Uh, certainly is not. Uh, uh, yeah, but... Uh, no, that was a good win and significant too because Calvillo was ranked pretty high in the North Star Sports rankings because that division sucks. So Andrea Lee, with one of the biggest movements in rankings in 2021, she was at number 14, and now she's at number 6. She moved up 8 spots because of that win over Calvillo because uh, that division's so gross. Calvillo was at number 5, so... You know, Andrea Lee, could she be the next fighter to get her ass beat by Valentina Shevchenko? Stay tuned. Uh, we had a couple of fights I didn't watch. Courtney Casey and Liliana Jojua. I don't watch fights like that. Uh, Rafael Alves choking out Mark Jacasey. Gotta watch out taking down Rafael Alves. I think that dude, like, I think he has several guillotine chokes on his record. Like, he is known for having a guillotine. So, you, you really don't want to shoot for a single leg on a guy who uh, has a bunch of sub, uh, submission wins and a, a bunch of those wins come via guillotine. I'm counting four, five, and then there's regional wins that they just say win. They don't even tell you how he won, but we have five confirmed guillotine choke victories uh, for uh, Rafael Alves, so kind of a dumb idea there from Jacasey, who's not really known as a wrestler. Jacasey uh, is known uh, when he was known as a pretty hot prospect. He was, he was known as a striker. He was knocking dudes out, so I don't know why he would do that. And then we had a uh, prelim opener win for Daun Zhang over Kennedy uh, Ichukwu. I always, I always hear it on the broadcast and then know it and then forget it, and it's just whatever. He lost, so I don't have to worry about knowing how his last name is pronounced for now. Uh, although he is a talented fighter and does have a pretty compelling story as well, so I kind of felt bad that he lost, but... Uh, very good performance there from Daun Jong. They were just standing toe-to-toe, no fucking movement at all, and just, you know, trading punches back and forth. And uh, Jung was the, the first one to land something significant. Kennedy started to, to curl up a little bit, and, you know, then we had a, you know, UFC 4-style spamming of elbows by Jung, and he put him down. And, uh, you know... Jung's definitely somebody to watch out for. He's on a 14-fight winning streak, 14-fight uh, unbeaten streak, excuse me. And uh, we have him in the rankings now. We have him at number 15 at light heavyweight because light heavyweight kind of drops off at 14. So maybe it's a little early, but, uh, you know, we have him in there at the rankings. I mean, he is, he is undefeated in five UFC appearances, and uh, yeah, I think he'll get a relatively big fight uh, at this point in his career. Uh, in his next fight, you know, maybe uh, Amisha Serkinov, maybe maybe even Paul Craig. I don't know if uh, old Paul Craig. I don't I don't know I don't know if the Bears you has a fight coming up, but maybe Paul Craig, maybe Jimmy Crute. I'm sure they can find somebody. Ryan Spann, that would be a little interesting. So, you know, we'll see what they uh, want to do with him. Maybe you go outside of the rankings, but you go with like an Iwan Kuchalaba because uh, he's a pretty active fighter, and you know that fight only lasted two and a half minutes so didn't really take a whole lot of damage but 
you know, that's potentially uh, that's potentially a B-level prospect to watch out for uh, in, in the light heavyweight division at this time right now. Obviously, more exciting fighters, but, you know, when, as, uh, when the unbeaten streak continues, we'll see how far he can take it. All right, well, with that, uh, we've reached the end of the, uh, of the recap here, so... Uh, be sure to check out our rankings. We put a lot of work uh, into that today. You can you can find them at uh, northstarsports.media. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. Follow Northstar Sports on Twitter at northstarmin. Uh, be sure to check out our website at northstarsports.media. Once you're done checking out our uh, our rankings, we're we're you know we're updating the main card showdown. We're fixing the bug that highlights a bunch of random shit on my website with fucking yellow highlighter and then is impossible to take out uh, unless you fix it four times so that's fucking annoying so just ignore that a very professional website uh and thanks for tuning in everybody